The Fields of Home by Ralph Moody, University of Nebraska Press, 1953. Chapter 4, The Mowing Machine. Lord, thank you that you've given us the privilege of exercising dominion and ruling over this earth for the things that we've been given to do. And I thank you for uh, teaching us, even from those who go before us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd handled some pretty mean horses on ranches where I'd worked in Colorado, and I was itching to get my hands on the yellow colt. But Grandfather wouldn't let me go near him. The old horse would jig in the same spot till Grandfather had the harness chest high, then he'd shy away, and Grandfather would chase after him, shouting, Whoa, whoa, you tarnal fool colt. I'd given the bay mare a good combing and brushing and had her harness before Grandfather cornered the yellow colt. There, by gory, there you be, Ralphie, he sang out as soon as he'd buckled the crouper. Colt's awful high-strung. Got to handle him gentle, elseways you'd never get a harness on him. Being spoilt, spoiled by them cussed, worthless hired hands. Don't none of them understand a high-strung hoskritter. Now you run, fetch the snath and scythe out of the carriage house whilst I'm hitching the hosses to the mowing machine. I'd never even heard of a snath, let alone known... <laughs> let alone knowing what it was, and I didn't think I'd heard right that time. What is it you want me to get, I asked. Snath and scythe, snath and scythe, Grandfather shouted. Why don't you listen when I speak to you? I did listen, I said, but I don't know what a snath is. Great thunderation, Grandfather hollered. Don't know what a snath is. Don't you know of nothing, do you? Didn't your father learn you nothing about farming? Father taught me plenty about farming and about handling horses, too, I said, but we never had anything called a snath. Grandfather dropped both hands to his sides and just stood looking at me for a minute. When he spoke, his voice was as gentle as a woman's. Corey sakes alive, Ralphie. Your old grandpa learned you how to farm. Poor boy. Tarnal shame Charlie died before he had you half-fetched up. Awful good man, Charlie. Shame Mary had to lose him when there's so cussed many worthless men in the world. Now you run along and fetch the snath and scythe. <laughs> I knew what a scythe was, all right. Father used to have one when we lived on the ranch. When I got to the carriage house, there was a scythe about like father's hanging on the far wall. I took it down and looked all around to see if I could find anything that might be a snath. I was still trying, to, still trying when grandfather called, Ralphie, what's keeping you? We ain't got all day. I grabbed up a broken whetstone, took the scythe, and hurried down behind the barn where he was shouting, Whoa, whoa, back at the horses. From the corner of the barn, I could see Grandfather down on his hands and knees behind a yellow colt. The colt was the off horse, the one on the right-hand side of the pair, and the cutter bar of the mowing machine was down, and if the team had started up, Grandfather would have been right in the path of the knives. I began to run, but the crooked scythe handle kept bouncing around on my shoulder, and I was afraid that I might startle the horses so I had to slow down. <clears throat> Grandfather looked up just when I was back to a walk and shouted, What in tarm, time and tarnation ails you? Dawdling the way the whole day when there's work to be done. What kept you? I couldn't find the snap, I called back. I was getting close enough that Father didn't have to shout, but he snapped good and loud. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. What in thunderation you got over your shoulder? Of course, by that time, I knew it had to be something to do with the scythe, so I asked, is it a part of the scythe? Grandfather stood up on his knees with his hands drooped in front of his chest, just the way a prairie dog stands by his hole, and he looked up at me as if I were some kind of strange animal. 
gory sakes alive, he said at last. How did you ever, a boy, grow up to your age and know so little? Poor boy, it's a good thing Mary sent you. Your old grandpa learned you to be a man. Snath is the handle, scythe is the blade that goes on it. Grandfather had the buckskins tug wired to the single tree with a piece of rusty old barbed wire. It was so brittle that one strand had cracked where the sharp bend came, and an end three feet long was trailing on the ground. He grabbed the trailing piece in both fists and bent it back and forth till it broke, leaving an eighth-inch spike sticking out with a barb at the end. That won't work very well. That won't work very well, will it? I asked. One strand is already broken, and the dragging one, and the dragging end will ball hay up in front of the cutter bar. Don't you tell me, Grandfather blurted. But I knew he could see I was right. As he got up off his knees, the toe of his boot caught the spike of wire and turned it up so it wouldn't drag. Ain't nothing matter with that, he said as he climbed up onto the mowing machine seat. Now, pass me the lines and stand back so you don't get hurt. Whoa, whoa, Colty. I knew quite a little about mowing machines. Grandfather had fixed the machinery for most of the neighbors we had in Colorado, and if I wasn't in school, he'd always let me help him. He traded a colt for an old second-hand mowing machine one winter, and we'd taken it all to pieces, made some new parts, and put it all together again. When Father got done fixing any piece of machinery, it had always worked just as well as a new one. I hadn't had much time to look over Grandfather's machine, but in one glance I could see that it was in worse shape than the one Father got for the colt. The cutter bar was lying in a tangle of matted clover. Two of the knife sections were broken in half, and one was missing altogether. The gears were out of mesh, and there was new red rust on all of them and along the sickle blades. If the team was started with a cutter bar dragging, I knew it might tear things all to pieces. The, the yellow colt had begun prancing the minute Grandfather shouted, Whoa, at Colty. I snatched up the reins, but before I passed them to Grandfather, I said, Hadn't I better put the cutter bar up before it drags and breaks something? Leave be, leave be, Grandfather shouted. Pass me them reins and stand back out of the way. I should have kept quiet, but as I passed him the lines, I asked, hadn't I better get an oil can? Stand back, stand back, I tell you, Grandfather snapped. Then he spanked the reins up and down and shouted, get up, get up. The bay mare didn't move an inch when Grandfather shouted, but the yellow colt went off like a skyrocket and in the same direction, straight up. He danced a jig on his hind feet and kept his front ones pawing up and down like a swimming dog's. When he came down, he rammed into the collar and, of course, broke the rotted, rotten old piece of barbed wire on the whiffle tree. It held just long enough to lurch the mowing machine forward a few inches and make the slipping gears scream. With his outside tug loose and the screech of the gears behind him, the old buckskin swung around like a slam gate. He nearly pulled Grandfather off the seat, broke one of the reins, and tore most of his harness off. Instead of being mad at the yellow colt, Grandfather began yelling at me. Tarnal fool boy, you scared him. You scared him. Why didn't you stand back like I told you? Whoa, Colty, whoa. <clears throat> Grandfather was still pulling on the unbroken line, with the yellow colt turned around facing him. With the line through the ring on the harness, it only made the horse pull back harder. Let go of the line, I shouted as I ran toward the buckskin. Shut up, shut up, get out of the way, Grandfather yelled back and kept right on pulling. The collar was hauled tight up around the old horse's jaws, and he had his feet braced the way a bulldog does when he's trying to pull a stick out of your hands. I still had the scythe stone in my hand, but still in my hand, 
had got back of the yellow colt, was just ready to hit him and make him jump forward when the second rein broke and the buckskin sat down with a thud. His rump missed my feet by less than two inches and Grandfather hollered, Now see what you've done. Why didn't you keep out of the way? Grandfather came up and began patting the old horse on the neck. Poor colty, poor colty, he said soothingly. Tarl and I busted the harness all the smithereens, didn't you? Ralphie, I and you'd better fetch it up to the carriage house and fix it. Awful high-strung hoss, the yellow colt. <coughs> Did you mark any harness rivets laying round the bench? Plenty of them in Levi's drawers, but he gets all so all fired head up if I pry one of them open. Wish Levi'd come home. What does Uncle Levi do in Boston, I asked him. Brick Mason. He ought to be a tinker like or a black, blacksmith, and he ought to be right down here to home where he belongs. Levi ain't no more of a farmer than you be, but he can mend anything he puts his hand to, and by gory, there's plenty of stuff around here that needs mending. Grandfather turned away from the yellow colt and pointed toward a jumble of wrecked coats, I mean wrecked carts, buggies, and farm machines that lay half buried in a weed patch beyond a shed built back into the hillside. Made some powerful good trades, and during the last two, three years, Yonder, past the sheep barn, there's stuff enough to keep Levi out of mischief four or five months. Fetch a pretty penny once it's all mended up nice. Now, you lug the buster harness up to the carriage house, Ralphie. I'll stand the yellow colt back in his stall so he's he don't stave Nell's harness whilst we're gone. Tarnal high-strung hoss. Can't never tell what he's likely to do. All the time Grandfather had been telling me about Uncle Levi and the machinery, the old buckskin had been sitting on his haunches. His collar was pulled up behind his ears so that his head was stretched out almost straight and the broken harness was hanging from it. I stepped up to unbuckle the hame strap and let him loose, but Grandfather hollered for me to stand back before I got hurt. Instead of unbuckling the strap himself, he began spanking the old horse on the rump with his hand and saying, Get up, Colty. Get up. Get up. He can't stand without raising his head, I said. You'll have to unbuckle the hame strap. Stand back. Stand back. Don't you tell me. Get up, Colty. Get up, get up. With the last get up, Grandfather whacked the old horse a good one, and he thrashed around until he'd thrown himself flat. All four legs were going as if he were trying to run a two-minute mile right there on his side, and Grandfather was dancing in and out between the flying hoofs and shouting, Whoa, Colty, whoa, whoa, I tell you. The yellow colt's back was toward me, and I stepped in quick, yanked the end of the top hame strap, and let it slip through the buckle. The hames flew off the collar as though they'd been pulled by a spring, and the horse flopped his head down and lay as if he were dead. Now see what you've done, Grandfather yelled at me so loud his voice nearly went squeaky. You killed him. You killed him. I'd taken all the blame I could stand. Anybody who knew anything about horses could see that the buckskin was only sulking, and that he wasn't hurt a bit. I was so mad about Grandfather's yelling at me that I wanted to throw something at him, and I still had the broken piece of whetstone in my hand. Before I even stopped to think, I smacked it down hard on the old horse's rump. He came to life quicker than a scared jackrabbit and scrambled to his feet. Then he stood there trembling all over while Grandfather scolded me. Don't you durst, don't you never durst hit a dumb critter, he shouted. Poor Colty, poor Colty. Now fetch that harness up to the carriage house whilst I take him to the barn. I gathered up their harness and watched Grandfather take the old buckskin to the barn. Or rather, the buckskin take Grandfather. The yellow colt was always 16, 16 hands high and carried his head like a giraffe. Black spots were all he needed to make him look like one. Grandfather had the big ring clutched in his hand, in his fist, and was being jerked on his tiptoes as the old horse pranced and flung his head. 
all the way up through the barnyard. He was dancing around, trying to keep his feet out from under the horse's hoofs and shouting, Whoa, Colty, whoa, you tarnal fool, Haas. We didn't get along much better mending harness than we had in breaking it. Father had taught me how to set a rivet tight by driving the washer down with a small nut, then cutting the tail close and tapping it evenly with a hammer. The only rivets we could find on the bench were three-quarters of an inch long, and the washers were too big to fit them. I tried to show Grandfather how to split a rivet end, spread it both ways, and tap it flat, but he snatched the hammer out of my hands. Great thunderation, he snapped. your worse than Levi. Fiddle-faddle around half a day, putting in a harness rivet. Stand back whilst I fetch it a clip. He swung the hammer higher than his head, pounded it down like a sledge, and mashed the long rivet into a flat figure S. There, by thunder, he said, and he looked at it. Ain't no reason I won't hold tight as a button. Now, find me three, four, half a dozen more of them. Your old grandpa will learn you how to be a farmer yet, Ralphie. That's a tough start to the relationship as uh, Ralph learns how to uh, labor alongside his grandfather. I love you.